God's good, isn't he? Okay, get out your Bibles. We've got a long way to go. Oh my goodness! Someone change that clock time, please, for me. Um, 1 John chapter 4. I don't know what it is by you second service, man. I just have to shorten my message. And don't say amen, okay? Um, and don't clap. <laughs> Thanks, guys. 1 John chapter 4. I'm not going to be able to read the whole chapter like I did in the first service, but we're going to go through the whole chapter. And, um, you know, John wrote this, um, he wrote this book for really two main reasons. The first one is to counter, uh, you know, come against false teaching. So that's the first thing. That's what first we're going to deal with. The second thing he dealt with was love, that Christians weren't loving like they're supposed to. And that's none of us in here, right? Amen? And so he deals with that. And so there's three things I'm going to be talking to you about. I'm going to talk about how to test the spirits, how to test things. And then I'm going to talk to you how to understand love and what love has to do with all that. And number three, how does love cast out fear? And that's basically what he talks about. So John jumps right in. Number one, we test spirits. John jumps right into here and he says this. There are false spirits within the church. And these false spirits must be tested. And let me read out of the message Bible. Look what it says here. He says in the message Bible in verse one, he says, My dear friends, don't believe everything you hear. Some of you need to write that down. Don't believe everything you hear. Carefully weigh and examine what people tell you. Not everyone who talks about God comes from God. Amen? And so John's talking about that we need to test spirits. There are people within the church that are giving false teachings, false witness. And if you are not careful, he's saying you're going to be led astray uh, with these false te- teachings that run contrary to what the Scripture says. And these people will go against what the gospel of Jesus is. So he says we have to test them. And it goes way back in Deuteronomy chapter 18, 22, where it says when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, and if he says something that's of the Lord, and it doesn't come to pass, that they are wrong, that they're not of God. And so what he's saying here, if you listen to someone who says that they're a prophet, but when it, they teach it or say it, it doesn't come to pass, it's wrong. So John's saying concerning these things that are going on here that he has dealing with in in the church here, he says there are false spirits. What he means by there are people that a spirit of error is behind them and that oftentimes will crop up in the church. And now in John's day, he was dealing with the Gnostics, this Gnostic spirit. And the word Gnostic comes from the Greek word that means knowledge. And so he's essentially saying these teachings that says that that we're coming against the gospel of Christ. And this is what the Gnostics were teaching. You've heard me say this a couple of weeks ago, that they were teaching that only things that are spiritual matter. And so the spirit of God, anything spiritual matters, anything of flesh is wrong. And so he's saying here, he says, the only thing that really matters is that up there in the heavenlies, nothing down here. And so they're saying that if Jesus came in the flesh, then he must have not have been God because God cannot be flesh because flesh is evil. And so that's what he's coming against here. So John immediately refutes this claim in 1 John chapter 4, verse 2. And he says this, By this you know that the Spirit of God, that every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, is from God. 
So every spirit that confesses Jesus is a Christ, that he has come in the flesh, is from God. And so he's, he's saying, they're wrong. And remember in, in John, 1 John 1, that he comes against that anyway. He says, listen, I've been there. I saw Jesus in the flesh. I saw him crucified, and I saw him raised again. He, he rose again from the dead. I saw them. And so what he's saying here says, any spirit, any person that confesses that Jesus is not God in the flesh... God, that God didn't complete his redemptive act, that he began in the nation of Israel through the cross, that Jesus Christ became perfectly human, he was perfectly divine, he is perfectly sanctified, he was perfectly resurrected. Then if someone does not proclaim those things or preach those things, it is a false spirit. So John says you have to fight against that. So therefore he moves on a little bit further and he says in verse 4, he says, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. Now, who are they? Who have they overcome? That They have overcome the false spirits in this world. Because of why? And he goes on. Because greater is he that is in you than what? He that is in the world. So how do we overcome the false stuff that's out there in this world? How do we overcome the false spirit? It's because the very same spirit that was in Jesus is in you. And that spirit illuminates you to what is true and what is wrong. It's just we have to hear it. Because that same spirit that's in you, the same spirit that's in Jesus, was, is greater than Satan, who is the spirit of error in this world. And I can overcome any kind of false teaching, not because I'm smart enough. Because of who's inside of me. Because of the Holy Spirit inside of me says, that's not right. So when you think about it in this day and age, and something that's wrong comes around you, the Holy Spirit inside of you, you should know it. You should hear it. Something inside of you says, "Mm -mm, that's not right. That's not right. And so, you know, back then in John's time, all they had to worry about was maybe somebody coming into a building like this and in church building relationship and uh, saying some false things and leading people away. I mean, we probably we still have that today. We guard that pretty, pretty well here. But um, but it's even more than that now, because now the Internet, the, the worldwide church, I mean, you have people going on the Internet, you Google something and you believe it. Just because it's on Google, it doesn't mean it's right. Just because someone has a website, anybody can have a website, doesn't mean it's right. And just because you hear it on TV, or you hear it on the radio, or you hear it on the internet, doesn't make those things right. That's why it's so important that we learn to test the spirits. What spirit is it of? And just like the message Bible, don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe everything you read. I've had somebody come to me one time, and, and they said, uh, Sean, look at this. And I said, well, that's wrong. He said, Sean, they have a website. <laughs> no joke. <laughs> and just like you start laughing, I started laughing. I said, are you kidding me? Anybody can have a I looked on the website. They could have done a lot better on the website. But anyway, um, that may be one thing that you need to worry about. If they don't have a good website, you know, get rid of them. But anyway, that's another story. That's what Bill did to us when he first started coming here. Remember Bill? He checked our website out, and it was at least good enough for him to attend. Anyway, um, <laughs> so we're glad you did. So, the, so there's so much false teaching out there that we have to learn to test the spirits. We have to learn, is this right? Because this is the thing. Most of the time, it's not about the big doctrinal issues. 
It's the little issues that will start leading you away. It can be just off just a little bit. And if you don't learn to test what you're learning online or learning here at Cornerstone, because I know I'm not perfect, you need to test those things out. He goes on, he uses the word overcome, and that overcome means that Jesus is overcome. It's a completed act. And so that very spirit of God that is in you, it's just like what he says at the end of the chapter. He says, as he is, so are we. I love that. And so that we have that very same spirit of Jesus so we can overcome. And in chapter 3, verse 24, it says, and by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he gives us. You and I have the same spirit of Jesus and we can understand what is right and what is wrong by that spirit. Not because of we've just gained knowledge. It's very by the spirit of God. And so within the church, he talks about there's two contraries, there's two spirits. There's the false spirit, the spirit of error, and the spirit of truth. And that Jesus, he's saying that Jesus is the Christ and he's come in the flesh. He says anything that attempts to come against that and declares that Jesus is not ultimate, that Jesus is not everything, and that Jesus is not the most important thing in your life, if it it says anything contrary to that, it is wrong. It is wrong. And if it comes, everything must flow out of who Jesus is. So look, and look what he says in verse 5. He says in verse 5, They are of the world. Who are they? These are the false teachers, the false spirits. Therefore, they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. So he's saying here, it's not just big doctrinal issues. It can be man's wisdom. It can be just wisdom that comes out. Man's wisdom, which is not that great. You know, I was invited to speak at a um, uh, high school um, uh, graduation. Uh, I spoke of a number of them. And one of them I was thinking about, what am I going to speak on? I'm going to speak on what I usually do is that, you know, you're going to set goals in your life, that you're going to work hard, and that um, you're um, you're going to never give up. That's some of the things I always speak at a high school graduation. But if I just left it at that, it would be man's wisdom. It would be false. It would be wisdom of this age. Because everything needs to flow from Jesus. So here's the thing. I didn't leave it at that. I said, you will set goals. You will work hard. And you'll never get up, give up. But the first thing you have to do is seek Jesus. Seek who he is. Seek the Father. And decide to follow him. Because otherwise, if I were just left it at that, it's just man's wisdom. And it's called the spirit of this age. Because we can work hard and we can do all those things, but we can do them for selfish reasons. It's called humanism. And I have, we have to go beyond that. And there's a lot of man's wisdom that you can, you can get out there. You can get out there in teaching that sounds great, but it's just not God. And it, and it can lead you astray if you just lie, rely on man's wisdom. Everything must flow out of who Jesus is. And that's the truth. Or it's just false theology. It can be popular wisdom that makes our way into our everyday lives. But we must be consistently and constantly on guard in our hearts to make sure that we don't fall prey to any teaching that doesn't go through the lens of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you have to start with Jesus. Everything flows out from there. I can start with setting goals. I, I can have working hard. I can never give up. But it has to flow through the gospel. The only way I'm going to work hard because Jesus 
gave it to me to work hard. He has given me goals to set, and I don't do it for myself. I do it for him. I can, I can, I can never give up, but I can't never give up because I'm stubborn. That doesn't work. I never give up because he's the one who empowers me not to. And that's why the Bible says that. And so they said they are from this world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. Look at verse 6. Verse 6 says, We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, and whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. We have to start in this place, first and foremost, that the spirit of Jesus Christ is living in us and actively proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. And this is our starting point. Anything else ultimately will be a failure. And that is the truth, the true spirit, because it is of Jesus. So how do we test? How do we test the spirits? How do we know if something's right and something's wrong? How do we test those things? Well, here's how. Number one is that does it seem right in here? It's your inner knowing. Does it, it's, 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 because if you're a believer and you've accepted Jesus Christ, you have something inside. You have the very Spirit of God, the same Spirit that was in Jesus Christ in here. And so when somebody says something to you and something in here says, hold on a minute. How many ever had that before? That you may be listening to a radio program. Oh, no, nah, I don't, I don't know about that. There's something in here that says, hold on. Now, there's two things that can happen when that happens. Number one, it could be completely wrong. That says no. Or it could be something that's new to you that the Holy Spirit's saying, you need to study more. And so, but you need to listen to what's in here, people. You need to listen to the inner voice of the Holy Spirit that says, that's leading you, that's teaching you all things. And so if the Holy Spirit says something, uh, I, you need to check it out. And how are you going to check it out? Number two, you're going to go to the Word. You're going to go to the Word of God, and you're going to see if it lines up with, with the Word of God, if it lines up with the Gospel. So you're going to directly look at the Word. Does it line up with that? Does it go against what Jesus said? So everything starts with Jesus. So what did Jesus say? What did Jesus do? How he lived? It, does it line up with him? Because that's who we're supposed to model. So does it seem right in here? Then if it doesn't, then go to the Word. And then number three... Go to your church community. Go to people around you that are believers and talk about it. Ask questions. Hey, I heard this, and I, I just had something in my spirit that says that I need to study it more. I don't know if it's right or wrong, but there's something there. And I looked up in the Word, and I can't really distinguish. It looks like it's okay, and it may not look like it's okay. I don't know what the situation would be. Go to your small group. Go to your friend. Go to one of us as pastors or one of us as elders. And say, hey, listen, what do you think about this? Submit yourself to that. Because it's not worth going into false doctrine. It's not worth to being led astray, amen? And so do that. Talk to somebody and find it out. So when something goes on in here about something, go to the Word, go to somebody else. Take it to your church community. And the fourth thing is, is it love? Is it working the love of God? So we have to understand love, right? So love has a lot to do with testing of the spirits, and here's why. Because love rules everything that we do. The love of God. God is love, right? So it rules everything. So we have to understand love. So look at verse 8. 
Because John's going to hit us over the head with love here. Okay, you ready? He says, anyone who does not love God does not know God because God is love. That God is love is an important phrase here. And it's been thrown around and misapplied in a lot of times. Because whenever we say God is love, people are always like, oh, it means that someone does whatever I want. Isn't that what we think love is sometimes? I love you, then you're going you're gonna to love me back and do something for me, you know? But that's not what he's saying here. God says God is love. He didn't say love is God. So the verse says God is love. And so who gets to define love? God does, period. He is the source of love. So guess what? He defines it, and this is how he defines it in verse 9. He says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. So in this is love. What is love? The cross. He defined love through what Jesus did at the cross. And this is what Scripture teaches, that that is love. And so he says that basically we are so evil, we are so messed up with our own devices, we don't have the ability to even love, even to love God. And that's how, we're, that's how bad we're messed up. That's how sinful we are. And that's how dead in our transgressions and sin we were. You have zero ability to love God. Nevertheless, God loved you first. He chose to love you. So how does God define love? He defined it by the cross. This is what he said. This is love. Jesus, God in the flesh, came to earth, pursued you, and died on the cross for you. That is the very definition of what love is. If you want to model love, that's love. That you give your life up for someone else. Now, I'm not saying you have to go die on the cross. Aren't you thankful about that? He already did that for you and I. But this is how he defined love, defines love. He came in the flesh. He did all this for you and I. He loved you when you were an enemy of his. Because we don't have the ability to love until he first, God, has loved us through Jesus Christ on the cross. And now that's what's given us the ability to love through him. And we have that ability to love. Verse 11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also love one another. How do we love one another? By that. Say, Sean, what does this have to do with testing the spirits? I'm getting there. Ephesians chapter 5 says this, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. So how did Christ love the church? He died for the church. And I know some of you men thinking, man, I thought I was doing good until you brought this cross thing in, you know? <laughs> he, he, he defines love by the cross. That's love. And then John drops this huge grenade in our lap here. And he, says, he says, Beloved, that's the church, you and I, Love one another like God has loved you in Jesus Christ. You say, well, I can't do that. Exactly. You can't love that way until the grace of God has so overwhelmed you and transformed you so that that love overflows out of you. Be honest with you. It's not your love anyway. It's his love. And so I'm so consumed by the love of God that comes out through me. And why does John want us to love another like that? Because of verse 12. Look at verse 12. No one has ever seen God. So no one has ever seen God. What is he getting at? No one out there has ever seen God face to face. So the second half of this verse matters. He says, no one has ever seen God. And then he says, if we love one another, God abides in us 
And his love is perfected in us. So what's the point? God's plan is to show who he is, his character to this world. And guess what? It's in the way that we love one another. Because he saved you and I. And that gives us the ability to love one another like he loved one another. And so when the church of Jesus Christ, you and I, are living the love of Christ perfectly, it's a proclamation of the gospel because it proclaims the cross to people. Because it, it, it is people loving one another as they were always intended and created to love people for. And this is radical. And I know it's radical to you. It's radical to them back, back then. But this is why it becomes so essential for us to cast out false spirits and to center our thoughts our thought patterns, everything that we think about in our life solely on the cross of Jesus Christ because the cross gets to define the way I relate with people within the body. And we must be willing to love one another. That means I'm going to be willing to give myself to you. And that is what love is. For me to demonstrate the love of God to you is that I give my life up for you. And I know that's radical, and that's radical thinking, but that is what Christ calls us to live like, to live like him. And I can't do that in my selfish self, but my redeemed self by me acquiring the love of God and receiving all the love of God. And that flows in me, and as much as I should, I, my mouth should be open wide and just receive all that he has for me so that love can just flow out of me and demonstrate that to other people around me. And that's the reason we can love like him, because he abides in us. Verse 17 says, by this love is perfected. That word perfected means it reaches its goal. We, by this love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because he is all, so also are we, as he is, so also are we in this world. I love that part. So that's saying, as Jesus is, you are. Do you get that? John is saying here that as Jesus is, so are we. How many have ever, how many really doubt that? I mean, I mean, in your mind, in your thinking, or you know it's in the Word and it says that, but we kind of doubt that, don't we? We don't look at it that way. Because what you look at is all your faults and your failures, don't you? all your screw-ups, right? In fact, you look at other people's screw-ups too, and so you really doubt it about the person next to you. There's no way you're going to be like Jesus. But the Bible says you are. You and I, because of what he did, because as he is, so also are we in this world. That we are to live out that perfect love. And we have that inside of us. The same spirit of God that's in Jesus is in you. And so guess what? We can live out this love. When we abide in him, that means live in. We can love everyone else around us in this church. But also everyone in this world like Jesus did, like we're supposed to love. And so he says, I want you not only to love the people next to you, I want you to love people that hate you. I want you to love your enemies. I want you to go into this world 
and show them what I am like. Amen? And that's what we need to do. And then in verse 18, casting out fear here, he says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Now, John uses the word punishment. It's only used one other place in the New Testament. It's used in Matthew chapter 25, verse 48. And it's talking about the end time punishment, the end time um, part when people don't know the Lord, that there will be a punishment. We don't have anything to fear about that. So here's two applications to this verse. First of all, you don't have to fear punishment. Why? Because we're under the cross. And because we're under the cross, there will come a day of judgment. And I don't have to be afraid of that because I've received the righteousness under the blood of Jesus. Amen? Aren't you glad about that? And here's the second part. Perfect love casts out fear. Love frees us from fear. And I bet everybody in this room, in some way, in some day, you've been afraid. You have fear. You're afraid if somebody's going to hurt you. You're afraid that something's going to be taken away from you. You're afraid maybe of punishment of somebody else. Or you're afraid that, that you know, someone will slander you. Or you're afraid of your reputation. You know, you're afraid of something. There's fear inside of you. But he says, now perfect love casts out fear. And see, this is so important, and I'm getting to the point of how to test the spirits by love here. But I don't, want, I don't want to get rid of this yet. Perfect love casts out fear. Get this. The love of God, God's love, and just think of it as something being poured out. The love of God's been poured out on you. So you're a vessel, and it's being poured inside of you. But there's fear in there. Where the love of God is, fear cannot live. You understand that? Where there's lack of love, fear is there. Okay? So if you have a vessel, like a cup, say this water is love... The more love I have, fear has to go out. Fear and, fear and love cannot operate in the same vessel. It has to leave. The more I receive of the love of God, the less fear is going to be there. Because I, I don't have to fear anything. Because if God is for me, who can be against me? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so when John is talking about love and he hits us over the head with love all throughout the book of John, as you already know, the reason he's doing that is to get the fear out. It's to get the things that causes fear in your life, the sin and everything else, out of your life. That, that love cleanses us. That love releases things. That love shows us our destiny. That love shows us who we are. I mean, when, when, when you're filled love, there's security, Right? How many guys just need a hug once in a while? How many of you men really need a hug once in a while? Amen? Come on. You know, a manly hug, a bear hug, you know, not a sissy hug. But anyway, um, <laughs> but you, you, need, you need love. Love casts out fear. Love brings protection. 
And the more that the love of God fills you, the more fear is driven out. The more we operate in love, it drives out fear from someone who's next to you. And when you and I live as he lived, and you got to understand that you have the ability to live like Jesus. And when you and I live as he lived, and we can do this because we choose to abide in him. We choose to live in what he lives in. And verse 9 says that we might live through him, and we will think like he thinks. We will desire the things he desires. We will love like him, and he loves. And then that fear of rejection Because love is being filling our tank. Love is filling this vessel. His love for me. Then that fear of rejection, that fear of loss, that fear of being wrong, that fear of these insecurities will be pushed out because there is no room for fear when love is present. And so how does love have to do with anything with testing the spirits? Because love brings you and I into a place of knowing the character, the heart, and the passion of of the Son of God so much that anything that falls that comes its way, we won't even be attracted to. Because I know love. God is love. I know love. And because we love, we study what we love. Remember last week I talked about how, how um, um, these agents know what is a counterfeit bill, not because they study counterfeits, but they study the real article. They can pick it up. No, that's wrong. And that's the way we need to be. The way you're going to stop false teaching in your life and getting into that, even those small little things that's trying to lead you astray, is because you study the article of love so much, uh, that's not it. You'll know it immediately. And the reason most people fall into false teaching and doctrine is because they have stepped out of the love realm and have gotten offended have unforgiveness and so they are found empty and they are looking for love but refuse to abide in him and they choose to accept a counterfeit so if you have unforgiveness in your life you're in a dangerous place if you've taken an offense and you're offended then you're in a dangerous place because you know why you're not abiding in the love realm and the love of god you're not receiving the love and guess what Offense and unforgiveness are fears. Fears of rejection, unforgiveness, right? And offense, fear of rejection, fear of hurt, insecurities. And when you and I have and hold on to these things, we are pushing out love and we are receiving fear. And guess what? Any little thing that will tickle your ear comes along, you're going to grasp onto. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? Okay, there's some doctrines today. Let me, let me go into this. There's some doc, doctrine out there today that says you can sin and do whatever you want and it's okay. It's actually the same doctrine that was actually going on in John's time. Why do people want to hear that? Yell it out. Why do you think people want to hear I can do whatever I want and, God, and it's okay? What? What? They don't want to be controlled. What else? They don't want to be held accountable. What else? It, what? It justifies them. What else? They have no love. It's an excuse. They don't understand the love of God. It's a relational issue. 
So they have accept condemnation. Because when you sin, how many of you have sinned? Raise your hand, please. And everyone just look around you. It's everybody. And if someone's not raising their hand, hmm. <laughs> when you sin, and every one of us here has, and you may probably do it this week, and it's not an excuse to do that, but when you sin, what are you supposed to do? Run directly to Jesus. But what condemnation does is tell you, no, you can't do that. And so we want to add something that says that, oh, I can do whatever I want and I'm okay because God loves me anyway. But we never abide in his love. When you abide in his love, fear is gone and you're not going to accept that because you don't want to be like everybody else. You want to be like him who knew no sin. Amen. And so you're going to run to that and you're going to be a part of that. And so that's why we love is something that's so important in our lives that we gain and get filled in and cast the fear out so we can know what's wrong. Therefore, if I centered in the gospel, that's something that's going to be important in my life. And any spirit that comes to me, any person that comes to me and says, I can achieve things apart from Christ, it is a false spirit. Any spirit attempts to tell me that anything that is, is more supreme than Jesus, more ultimate, is a false spirit. And therefore, I center my life on the gospel of Jesus, the saving power of God. And I pursue him. And I'll model him in love. And if I have, start to get offended, I release him. And I forgive immediately. So I will not go in there. And I follow love. Because I'm going to study what I love. And so anything false that comes around me, I'm not going to do that. So I'm going to listen to the Spirit of God inside of me. And when it says, hold on here, and I'm going to test that Spirit, because it may be something I need to know, but it may be false. And I'm going to go to the Word, and I'm just going to see if it lines up with the Word of God. Where is that in the Bible? Amen? It can be all man's wisdom, but you can have man's wisdom. I'll take God's wisdom any day. So where is that in the Bible? I'm going to study the Bible, and then I'm going to get some people around me. Hey, what do you guys think about this? Is this wrong? Is this right? Or what, what is it? If I'm still not knowing, and then I'm going to see, is it love-based? I'm going to love my father. I'm going to go after him, and that's going to push out everything else, all that fear. It casts out all fear, and then I'm going to know the real article. Amen? And be able to find out what is right. Amen? This is so important even in our day. Because you can go on, you can go on the internet and find anything you want. You know that. You know what? People can make the Bible say whatever they want to say. It doesn't mean it's right. So we need to guard it even more than in John's time. We need to guard this more than even in John's time. What is right? And I want to challenge you to do something greater than we probably have ever done is to jump headfirst into the love of God and receive that love and just challenge yourself to abide in Him more and more each day. Center your life on the gospel. And if it goes outside of the gospel, it's probably false. Amen? Everything you do, when you're listening uh, to a talk show, <laughs> I would say Oprah, but she's not on anymore. 
It has to line up to Jesus. Right. If you're listening about investing, it has to line up with the word. It has to line up with Jesus. Amen? No matter what it is in your life, make sure it lines up with him. And then you're going to be okay. Amen? Amen. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We know it is good, and we thank you for it. And God, I I just thank you that you are so good. And I pray very simply that we would no longer be afraid. God, I pray that you would, just that love would just fill us so much that it would cast out all the fears in our lives. And because we love those who maybe we even formally declared as enemies, we choose to love them now. We can't do it in our own own love. We, We don't have that capacity, but we can do it in yours. So right now, Lord, we receive your love. And we thank you, Lord. And just as John was just even through this whole book of 1 John is passionately about coming against wrong teaching, that Father God, that Father, show us, have we stepped into some things that are wrong? By your Holy Spirit, God, we want to listen to him. And Father, when those bells go off or that warring on the inside of us says, hold on, that we choose to listen to it. And so, Father, show us maybe you're getting off in this way. Father, we don't want to get off at all. We want to be right on track with you and what we believe. So, Father, just show us in our lives that, God, where we've done that. And that, Father, God, we'll take it to the Word and we'll study. We'll take it to our community of brothers and sisters. And, Father, God, and we'll just love you. And we'll just receive that love more and more. I'll cast out all the junk and we'll know the real article. We'll know what is real because God is love. Jesus is the word and that's who we follow in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Lord. We just bless you and we just love you, Lord. There's some people in here that, man, you've, you've held on to unforgiveness. You've held on to an offense. Maybe you've not been abiding in the love of Jesus. So just make that commitment right now. Just step into that again. And say, God, I'm going I'm to step into you. There's some here, maybe, said Pastor Sean, I've never accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I, I want to receive the love that you talked about. So you're sitting there right now in your seat, and you know you're empty on inside. And you need something more. So if that's you, I'm going to give you an opportunity to just receive the love of God right now. He loves you. He cares for you. He's not mad at you. He wants to come and build a relationship with you and make you his son, make you his daughter again. But you have to choose that. He can't make you. So I want to give you an opportunity to make that choice. And I want to pray with you right where you're at. So I'm going to ask that you would, if you want to do that, if you want to say, Pastor Sean, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to receive all that he has for me right now. And you want to do that for the very first time. I want you to raise your hand right where you're at. Anybody in here? Says Pastor Sean, that's me. And you can, once you raise your hand, you can put your hands down. Anybody in here? Says Pastor Sean, that's me. I want to give my life to him today. One more time. Anybody in here? Okay. So Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord. And we just thank you for the opportunity we have to hear your word, God. Father God, we, wanna, we don't want to be led astray in any way. None of us do. 
So, Father, I thank you that we're going to rely on your Holy Spirit to, to, to teach us, to show us maybe there may be something wrong. We're going to get ourselves in a community of believers, and we're going to test it there also, but we're going to test it mainly by loving you and getting to know you. So, God, we make that commitment today as a church to know the love of God, to be filled with the love of God so everything that's of junk, that's not good, will go out of us, Lord, and all those fears and everything else, and that we'll rely on you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to do something for me. In your bulletin is some notes that you follow along with me. But on the back are questions, okay? Now, um, we use those questions, hopefully that you go home and study them, but also in our small groups. Some of them follow along with, with me. I, but I want to focus on, I don't know if I actually wrote it, I just thought about it this morning in prayer. Is that, I want you to, to, if you're in a small group, ask. do this in your small group. If you're not, try to get into a small group if you're not into one but do with somebody with your your spouse or a friend or somebody but just talk about the fears i really felt like today when i was in my just my chair i pray in at home i felt like that um that god wants to get just just take away those fears a lot and so i want you to speak about the fears that you have in your small group or in just with somebody else that may be coming up with you, that I'm, I'm afraid that God may not love me, or I'm afraid that um, people might reject me, or I, I, I'm afraid of losing my job, or whatever it is that you're going through. I want you to talk about those fears, because remember that song we said, God is, God is for you. He's good. He'll never going to let you down. That is a true statement in His Word. But you need to know that. And the only way you can know that is about abiding in the love of God. And so whoever you talk to with this talk about it whether it's cell group or somebody else and then start asking how do we abide in the love of god okay i'm going to do that with my small group tonight but i want i want you to do that okay and just begin to just talk talk this out because uh, i really feel that that's an open door when we are in fear because of unforgiveness or offense or something else of sin we're in fear that's when the enemy can come in and lead us astray amen so talk that out will you do that amen come on give the lord praise right now let's welcome bill as he closes out today